lots and lots of spoilers. Movies. I get older and they just stay the same age. <laughs> Welcome, my man, to another episode of that show in the know to which you can't say no, Max Mike Movies. We do like movies a lot. This week, as part of our series in ancient times in the 90s, we're taking a deep, deep, deep dive into Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Well, we will as long as Max has signed his commitment slip. I want that piece of paper on my desk by the end of the episode. Is that clear, Mr. Oh. Levine? Yeah, coach. And just to be <sighs> clear, that host is the coach with no roach, the irascible Max Levine, while I am the steed with no weed, Mike Luce. Uh, and just to get it out of the way, all right, all right, all right. Uh, thank there. you. There, I have McConaughey <laughs> enough for one episode. <laughs> Nope, nope, we have not had nearly enough McConaughey where I'd say about 40% below peak McConaughey. Uh, and yet, <laughs> as the host for this week, I say shtum. All right, but before we peel out with our boss GTOs and El Caminos, we have a little bizoness to take care of. Don't worry. After Groovy. The first, <laughs> don't worry. After the first few syllables, you go numb and you won't feel a thing. <laughs> So, hey, you can find us online. I bet you didn't know that after 101 other episodes. <laughs> we have a website, and all of our episodes have been factory sealed for freshness, flavor, and um, Your fun. protection. That, too. They're, they're ribbed for your pleasure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, our website is maxmikemovies.com. Hey, you can email us and say... I think you stink, or you are righteous dudes, or some other comment that is equally interesting and fun. Uh, that is our website. That is our web address. Uh, this is our email address. It is us at maxmikemovies.com. U.S. That's it. Just us. This is our email address. There are many like it, but this one is ours. <laughs> yeah, let's not say what one of the uses of that is. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for fun. Um, <laughs> you can also find us on social media. Hey, we're on Spotify, Max Mike Movies. We are on Facebook, and we are on uh, Twitter. I almost said Instagram. We're not on Instagram. <laughs> we are not. All of those places, we are, in fact, Max Mike Movies. So, we made it easy so you don't have to. Or something. <laughs> Did we? Yeah. The show. Dazed and confused. All right. Hey, there's some trivia. Did you know that? Uh, trivia is cool. Let's have some trivia. It'd be cooler if you had some trivia. Uh, if you continue to McConaughey, I will stab you with a fork. We are still only at 38% below peak McConaughey. <laughs> spoon? <laughs> Why a spoon? Because it would hurt more. There. That was an absolutely <laughs> awful Alan Rickman. I do not do Alan Rickman. Sadly. All right. Budget. $6.9 million. Good lord. Take. Take a guess. Uh, $8 million? You are exactly right, my dear sir. Seriously? You are. Wow. This, this was film not was, a financial success. It was not. It, however, has garnered a lot of critical acclaim. Um, and we're going to get to a little of that in a minute. This is part of the independent film renaissance of the 90s. Excuse me, I believe that's renaissance. Uh, we're not in France, so you would be wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, does that mean I can, that mean I not, I can stop smoking? It also means you can stop McConaugheying. Oh. <laughs> McConaugheaving? Uh, uh, um, all right, all right, all right. 
And we're going to be seeing more of the independent film renaissance films later in this series. Uh, the shop teacher in this film, I bet you didn't recognize him, Max. The sleepy guy? No. Yeah. Who is he? Uh, he's actually the school's sh real shop teacher. <laughs> Oh, of course. How did I not recognize him? I took, I took shop class. <laughs> supposedly, he still teaches there. And he also really? shows up. Yeah, no, never mind. Um, the music in the movie, which to me is pitch perfect, cost more than a million dollars on its own to get the rights. So this was like a sixth of the budget. Yep. <laughs> That's okay, because the soundtrack album would go triple platinum. So there you go. Dang. Like that's Yeah. So, speaking of Matthew McConaughey, a lot of people probably have heard this. Matthew you notice I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I had a perfect <laughs> opportunity and I did not. Good. I will rehire you. Uh, Matthew McConaughey was not even cast in this movie. He was actually at a bar <laughs> with his girlfriend. His girlfriend's brother, I believe, was the bartender. And he told McConaughey that one of the people in the bar at the time was the casting director, who had also hired Sean Penn for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. See a previous episode. Um, that got him uh, a moment where they got to talking and eventually actually got thrown out of the bar together. But it, it got him a uh, a, a try, trial. What do you call that? A uh, tryout. Yeah, yeah. An they, audition. They, an audition. That's what I want. It's amazing how getting old you forget your fnords. Um, and he was given the small part of Wooderson. Um, which was expanded for a couple of reasons, one of which was because he was so damn good in it, and the other of which is uh, another of the characters, Kevin Pickford, uh, who is played by an actor named Sean Andrews. Um, he's the one who's supposed to be having that killer party that night. Oh, okay. He's the one, uh, the, the long-haired guy doesn't like wearing a shirt? Yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, he didn't get along with most of the cast, and so his part... Yeah, he and Jason London, who plays Pink... Randall Pink Floyd, um, apparently got into a fight. Ooh. And those two, as you may notice, barely speak to each other on camera, never mind off. So his part was made smaller, and uh, Wooderson's was made larger. <clears throat> hey, you know, a lot of times they have substitutions for this stuff, and they, those substitutions can be really weird. Um, most of the beer in this film that was being drunk on screen, do you know what they actually used for that? Uh, hang on. I used to know there was there used to be this sort of Hollywood standard of what you used for beer. I think it used to be like iced tea, but except the, there were no bubbles. I don't know. Yeah, this is a really weird choice. Um, yeah. It was it was beer. <laughs> Wait, is that legal? Um, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Considering that uh, Wiley, who plays uh, um, Mitch, is uh, I think he's sixteen in this film. So, Whoops. So kind of no. <laughs> yeah. They oh wanted to use a real brand. They wanted to use Lone Star beer. But in a weird twist, Lone Star was like, well, you can use our beer, but you have to give us a lot of money and part of the profits. What? Is, I know. It's like... Isn't it usually the other way around? <laughs> yes. So uh, Linklater was like, I'll just put a fake label on beer. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> ah, Schatz Brewery. Yeah. Hey, so the wooden paddles used in the hazing scenes, you hey. know who designed those? Obviously, do not. The actors who wield them. <laughs> oh! Yeah, so... Okay. Yeah. So it turns out that uh, Richard Linklater, the film's director, based some of the characters on people he knew in high school. Oh, and I heard the, about uh, this. He used at least their family names in the movie. 
without asking them. <laughs> yeah, didn't they try to sue him? Yeah, so Wooderson, Slater, and Floyd all tried to sue the production company, but they waited till 2004, which the judge determined was too late. It's 11 years after the movie came out. Now, now, interestingly, they said it ruined their reputations, and I had to go searching really? to find out what... It's like, really? Because I think people would think you were the coolest thing ever. It says yeah. apparently a lot of teenagers show up and want to party with them. Oops. And they don't, <laughs> don't want to. So, mm. okay. Mila Jovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovovov
Also, she... girl in blue and orange tank top stra- walking by Wooderson. That's that's uh, the other thing she does. But uh, does she yeah. have any lines? I don't remember. No, <laughs> I didn't think so. No, too bad because this. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, she would she would show up in. Um, uh, uh, <sighs> everything. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, her big film, next big, the, the we did this early, and it's one of my favorite films, uh, Empire Records. Ah, yes. So, Linklater stated that he wanted to make an inverse John Hughes film, and we're going to get okay. to that because there's a quote that he he uh, had after that that I use in the pot description. Um, do you know any other bits of trivia? Um, only in terms of the cast, I. Re- Looking there and going, oh my god, that's Parker Posey, yep. darling of the indie world. Yep. She plays Darla, a fairly small part. Yeah. Uh, oh, the the only other thing, and I want to talk about this later, is that the freshman hunt, that tradition of hazing where they the seniors hunt down the incoming freshmen and beat them with paddles, Yeah. that's real. That is based on actual events on a number of schools in Texas. Why am I not surprised? Mm. I <laughs> yeah, was we'll, horrified to find that out. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So the plot. Mm. What we have here is a total disrespect of the law. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last day of school somewhere in Texas, 1976. The incoming seniors are all looking forward to both summer and the opportunity to haze the incoming freshmen in a bizarre ritual that humiliates all the kids in town. There's also a party which all the cool kids are going to. But... It gets canceled. And I'm going to quote the director at this point as he really sums this up all very nicely. The drama is so low-key. I don't remember teenage... Be- teen- I have to sort of paraphrase because he leaves some words out. I don't remember teenage years being that dramatic. I remember just trying to go with the flow, socialize, fit in, and be cool. The stakes were really low. To get Aerosmith <laughs> tickets or not. That's a big thing. It was a really rare when our st- when star-crossed lovers from opposite sides of the tracks got together and the girl gets pregnant and there's a car crash and somebody dies. That didn't really happen much. But riding around and trying to look for something to do with the music cranked up, now that happened a lot. And that, I will say, is pretty much the plot of Dazed and Confused. The Lowdown. It does. It's a slice-of-life movie. There really yeah. isn't a plot. It's just... The last day of high school for some people. Well, well yeah. their last it, day, last day, graduate seniors, or or actually no, that was no. the thing that always threw me about yeah. that movie. It's the it's, juniors. Yeah, the when they talk about the freshmen, they're talking about people who are not freshmen. They're they're from junior high. They will be freshmen in the fall. Right. Which really confused me the first time I saw it, because I didn't you know when I was growing up, you were not a freshman until you set foot on campus. Your first year of high school. Well, that's because you're not from Texas. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not. <laughs> and well, yeah, we funny. Won't. I always we... thought I was. Anyway, <laughs> oh, the accent gives it away. <laughs> yeah, that's right there, Mister Podner. <laughs> Big Boots Levine. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so, um, when was the first time you saw this? Do you remember? Oh boy, I think it was like a cup, like two years after it came out. Okay, so you saw it on video somehow. I think it was either in video or it was just a re-release. Um, 95, I would have, I think I was still in Minnesota. So I think it was at like a, uh, one of the theaters that showed second, third and re-release. Uh, I think I saw it on the big screen. Okay. Yeah. I saw it when it came out. Mm. Um, one of the things I remember distinctly about watching this fo- this movie was Foovy, which is when you can't decide whether you're <laughs> going to sell film or movie. Foovy, everyone. Foovy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we should make a website. That's our new mascot, Foovy. Foovy. Oh, Bumpy is not. No, no. You do not. Bu- <laughs> no. You know, Bumpy we is here We are Bumping Bumpy. <laughs> no, we're not. Yes, we are. Foovy forever. Poop on him, Bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> One of his best tricks. Um, he can do it on command. Um one of the things I remember when seeing this film is I was actually on the edge of my seat most of the time. Oh, uh, because you were, let me guess, you were waiting for the big dramatic thing to happen. Yes. I was yeah. like, someone's going to OD. Someone's going to drunk drive and hit a tree. Someone's going to yeah. fall off the moon tower. There, someone's going to get killed in a fight. Something. I kept mm-hmm. waiting. And as it turns out, this is going to be a recurring theme in Richard Linklater films. Mm. <laughs> Which, yeah. It's. Although, technically, there is a fight, and there is. at one point, people get shot at. They do, but it's like it's almost like whenever things are about to happen, they kind of don't. Yeah, it's right? all, it build, builds up and then comes to nothing. And I think this actually, I didn't, hadn't seen this quote before from, from Linklater, where he's like, yeah, there really wasn't so much of this, and there was a lot more driving around looking for stuff to do. Which is so a lot more believable, quite honestly. It is. And the, when I first saw the film, I didn't like it, because I came to the end of the film, and it's like, wait, what, what happened? And of course, the answer is nothing happened. And I was really uptight, because I was wrestling with that idea. It's like, well, well that, but, but what's the, I don't... You, nobody died? What? I don't get it. And I had trouble with it. And it wasn't until I would go back and watch it again, and, you know, one more time, at least for, for their show here, where I was like, well, that is the point. And I understand a lot, that quote again. He wants to make an inverse John Hughes film. Well, I totally get it. And it doesn't... I don't think he's trying to... Oh. I don't think he's trying to say that those aren't relevant films or those aren't in any way reflective films. I think there's especially uh, my favorite of John Hughes' films, which is Ferris Bueller. I think there's a lot of points, especially at the end where um, Cameron is coming to terms with not only who he is and who he isn't, but how he's going to deal with his life from then on. I think there are moments like that that you have, as dramatic as they might seem. But of course, you know, the the Ferrari and all that stuff. And the, well, and it's the- also in John Hughes' movies and in a lot of teen movies, all of the teens are incredibly eloquent incredibly yeah. well spoken they express themselves in almost poetic ways yeah this movie one of the things i like about this movie it's very believable you yeah. it's like you sit there going i knew that guy <laughs> well considering the the high school that we went to we yeah knew we, knew, we knew a lot people. of those guys yes we knew a whole lot i mean i think they were probably about 15 or 20 woodersons at, uh, at our high school and well my year uh there were three people no, there okay. two people that actually were staying on an extra year to do graduate studies. And I was like, graduate uh, studies? I know, I know, yeah. right? And I, my thought was, I didn't know you could be a loser at this school. <laughs> and apparently you can. Because yeah. um, it's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. That, that to me was like, you can't let go. The and, character and, of Wooderson is fascinating. I mean, he's so well done. Considering he has like, what, 10 lines, maybe? He's... He I, I can't help but wonder if that's kind of what McConaughey's really like. I don't know. He's a little more out there right, that I've when I've heard him uh, interviewed, and he's not quite that mellow anymore. But yeah. I do like the way they introduce him. It's so perfect. Yeah. Mitch just get, gets into his car, and and Wooderson leans back and goes, "You got a joint, man?" And you know, Mitch is like, uh, uh, "No, not on me," which is you know trying to be cool. And Wooderson just sort of nods, looks out the window, and goes. 
would have been cooler if you had. It's like, like, wow, I know everything about this character now. And giving him the mustache was a great choice oh, because God, the, the porn stash yes because well, he's his uh audition is online it's a minute and a half and you can see it and it's perfect it is absolutely perfect but he doesn't have the mustache and he doesn't look quite old enough you want that extra added bit of sleaze yeah it's because he is it's so creepy that whole uh, i love them high school girls i get older they stay the same like yeah yeah, yeah that's dude just, yeah, and one of the one of the other kids calls him on it says you know you're gonna get arrested one of these days yeah pink does and it's just like uh okay um and that's one of the things one of my points i have in here is that i don't think we're actually supposed to fully like any of anybody like there are characters we like more than others but pretty much every character is a balance somehow of well that's pretty cool and wow no <laughs> Yeah, that's why they're really they're great characters. They're very human. They're yeah. flawed. No one is a paragon. Yeah, no, there I mean, the, there, there's no innocent. Even Mitch is kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's not as bad as his friends. Carl, no, I think I would uh, probably have just Carl, punched Carl. <laughs> Carl, I would yeah, have punched Carl right in the face. Seriously, I don't know why he hung out with Carl. Carl is awful. Yeah, um, at least uh, I can't remember the kid's name. The one who actually gets caught. Um, Oh, he, he, he's. I sort of feel better about him so, only because he's already been through it. And okay, let's get to it now. The hazing. What is with this whole ritual humiliation thing? I don't get it. I just don't. It that I, when I first saw that when when a movie came out, and I I you know, we didn't really have the web yet, but I asked people. I was in the Midwest at the time, and. They said, yeah, that's that's a thing, not just in Texas. I've heard about it around here or in Wisconsin. Or... It happens in these tiny towns where there is nothing to do. This weird hostility builds up. It's the same. You could also tell this is a football town. Yeah, of course. And that's is. really all they have. Well, it's funny because the town in question's actually Austin. So uh, yeah, which Austin has a lot. (laughs) Yes, but they make it seem like it's some no place out in the middle of nowhere. You never get the sense that it's a major center like Austin. No, no. Um, I I, on one hand, I kind of understand because it's like, well, I went through it, so you should go through it, and that way you prove you're one of us. And it's like. Okay, so in that respect, I understand the logistics behind it, but everyone hates it, and they hate that they went through it. You would think somebody at some point, of course, Pink doesn't actually do it, um, you would think somebody would just go, uh, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not I'm not continu- continuing That's this. That's really hard to do, though. Yeah. I mean, the peer pressure would have been enormous, especially among... Obviously, the way these kids were, and I, I read about this, it wasn't that they just picked on anybody. They were looking for the kids, the next crop of popular kids. They wanted the kids who would be hazed were often the ones who were going to be sort of the next generation of the cool kids. So it was kind of both a horror and an honor. Yeah. And that's and it, it sort of like inducted them. And of course, I mean, it, you know this this leaks into college culture, and we've all read stories oh yeah. about big, uh, big frat part boy of hazing. And of course, there people die. So yeah, you know, and it's uh, I don't know. I you also you do have to wonder though how many of these okay being whacked on the ass with a wooden paddle isn't theoretically that dangerous, 
But when you have people like Ben Affleck's character, O'Banion, <laughs> who I'm sorry, I think Ben Affleck nails that part. Well, and I, they actually had he, somebody else planned for that role. Yeah. And one of the reasons they didn't cast him is he looked too much like one of the other characters. Oh. But Ben Affleck literally comes out swinging. He, yeah, he's he just, perfect. He's the immediately, you know, he is the jerk. Even the other, even the ones who are supposed to be his friends, like, oh god, this guy. I like the way that they explain why he looks a little bigger and, of course, taller. Because Ben Affleck's like six four; he's a big yeah. guy. But one of the reasons they explain to him, explain why he's looks a little bigger, it's because he flunked out his senior yeah. He's year. let this. He said he's like he's the only one who's had to who's done this twice. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell that's part of the anger about him. I mean, he is a very angry character. Yeah. And he comes across really well, yeah. and he is kind of scary because you wonder he could. You think you look at him, and you think I bet this guy could lose control and really hurt or kill somebody with what is effectively a wooden club. Yeah. What if and he decides not to hit him in the butt? What if he hits him in the head? Well, and then later on, when he gets paint dumped on him, um, he—that's the point you're wondering. It's like, why does he not crack? What's holding him back? And the only thing I can think of is the witnesses. But it's like you're waiting. That's it's another moment in the film. It's like, oh, here it comes. It's gonna hear. Uh oh, and he just basically gets in his car and leaves the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Drives off the lot. Yeah, I remember thinking that was the dumbest thing you could have done, you kids. You let not only you dump that stuff on him, but you let him see you. He knows who you are. He is gonna come after you, and he's gonna be ten times worse. Which is why Mitch is really smart because he yeah. basically he's got Car- Carl by the nads, and he's like, you owe me. And he didn't yeah. say, you have to let him know who did it, but he's like, you have to do this. I'm going to set it up with somebody else. <laughs> so it's quite obvious that I had nothing to do with this, even yeah. though it was my idea. Very um, cunning of Mitch, yeah. Yeah, so good for him. Um, but I... Also, I mean, this, you, the, we, our opinion comes from two people who've not had to be hazed, right? No, I never I, had to go through that except, you know, verbally. And I think that I just wouldn't. It's like, if you can't respect me... If without being humiliated, then I don't think I want to be a part of whatever you're a part of. Because something about your organization is beyond flawed. That's just I don't I don't understand. Watching this movie this time, my hero is Carl's mom because <laughs> I love that because you know O'Banion is chasing Carl and one of the other kids, and he's about to lay into them, and she kicks open the door and comes out with a friggin' shotgun, which she Point- cocks. Which she cocks, and you know is loaded. It was probably rock salt. Probably. But you don't know. Nope. You're not sure. And I have absolutely no doubt she is ready to shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that... Go, Mom! (laughs) I'm willing to bet that there's quite a few moms in the community that are willing to shoot O'Banion. Because, yeah, he's awful. Um, He is the worst. There's real sadism in him. There's real... Not not even sadism, because I can't say there's an erotic quality. But there's real cruelty about him. He's... the, the other kids like aha, this is a big joke, and oh, this is you know we're just getting back for what ha- what we went through. But he he wants to hurt someone, and it's so weird. It's like oh, we want to get back at oh, why don't you go find the guys who are four years older than that than you, and they are now graduating college and beat them because mm. <laughs> they're the ones who did it. The the junior high school kids haven't done anything, and so. lest we forget, the boys are not the only ones who do this. No, nope. the girls do, and. I am sorry, this always, this, when I see this, this really brings up something that several people have said. My mother has said this, and Patton Oswalt makes a really good point about it. 
When little boys are mad at each other, they hit each other in the head with a Tonka truck, they cry, and it's over. Little girls are nasty. <laughs> These girls are, I mean, because they may not actually be physically hurting the freshman girls, but the level of humiliation, making them roll around in the dirt, squirting ketchup and mustard on them, calling them horrible names, making them go through a car wash. Yeah. It's honestly, I'd rather get whacked in the bit with the butt. You know, and I can't really comment to that for two reasons. One, because I've never actually seen it. And two, to be fair, the script was written by a guy. So yeah. I don't know if this is something that women... It could very well have been based on stuff that he went through in, in high school. Uh, so I, I just don't know. But that in this case... Is, it is. It's based on real events. Yeah. In this case, visually, this the two of, of the two of them, especially because, and I can't remember which character it is, comes up to Sabrina later on when she's hanging out with one of the two dweeb guys, and she's like, sister, yeah, you yeah. have to do Air Raid right now. And he's like, no, she doesn't. She's with me. And, oh, that's and, right. Darla. She's the one yeah. who comes up to her. Mm -hmm. And she and Sabrina, thankfully, doesn't do it. And Darla gives us this the idea. is like, yeah, yeah you, you think you're hot now. Wait till next year. I'm going to be all over you and blah, 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 blah. And you get every indication that she probably will at some point do something nasty. Um yeah, but you, they, someone, one of the other characters makes the point that she's so drunk she's not going to remember this, which <laughs> is only, probably true. <laughs> she only stumbles a little. <laughs> and Darla is kind of a female O'Banion. You can tell yeah. she takes just extra glee in this in the humiliation. And while a couple of the other girls, they try to be a little like, yeah, I went through this too. It's not that bad. It's going to be fine when it's over. And it's not just, um, whatever her name is, Mitch's sister yeah. and um, Joey, Lauren, Adams, but a bunch of them are nice about it. And they're like, yeah. okay, yeah, I know this is awful, but don't worry about it. But not Darla. Darla is, she sort of wants to be Arlie Army from uh, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> well, you, you are not worthy to be in my beloved high school. <laughs> Well, you can tell, too, that it's like some of them are, are definitely cooler because Sabrina gets asked out. It's like, hey, you want to come out later on? Yeah, we think you're cool. You went through it fine. Um, and Sabrina is an interesting character in how much she doesn't tell us, but how much she shows us. Because yeah. on one hand, she seems really unsure of herself. But on another hand, she's obviously really interested. She's curious. Um, she has very little to say. And every time people ask her to do or if she wants to do something, you get the impression she's about to go, um, no, that's okay, and run away. But she doesn't. And her she, meeting with um, with it's Mike and Tony. Tony. Yeah. Her meeting with Tony. Thankfully, Tony's a really nice guy, and although he is um, aiming a little young, um, not by that much. I mean, she'd be a year or two younger than him. I don't think he's mm, supposed to be a, a senior. Yes, he is. They're all. Oh, seniors. he is. They yeah. all say that. Uh, so they're all oh, four okay. years apart. Okay, that's that's a little off. It's still basically at this point legal, but okay, no. <laughs> At least he's really nice, and he doesn't try to force himself. He actually sits there and just talks to her. And at the end mm. of the night, when he goes to kiss her, he's really slow about it. And then she's like, oh, that okay, I want one too. And then, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, their relationship is actually very cute. And the contrast uh, during the hazing, uh, it, it's uh, both of them, it's like Sabrina and another girl, they both are told, go over here and propose to one of these boys. Right. And she proposes to which one is it? It's not Tony. Pink, is it? Tony? No, no, before him. Uh, another girl goes and proposes to uh, Pink. Uh, Pink. Yeah. And Pink is horrible about it. You know, he's yeah. just porn he's pornographic about it. And Tony is just like, wow, I really, this must be really uncomfortable. And 
Yeah. It, it's not just that he it's showing it, it shows better he shows up better by contrast also. But Sabrina's interesting because she doesn't have to do it. No. She's not being hazed. And uh, I think her name is Kate she comes is. over. But no, but initially she isn't. She's standing off by herself and Kate walks over to her and says, Hey, so you in or out? And no. she says, I'm in. And yeah. then she goes over and lies down on the ground. Yeah. They were leaving her alone. But Kate says, okay, this is one of the next generation mean girls or cool girls or whatever you want to call her. And uh, so she, it, it, it really is clear that it's a sense of inclusion. Yeah. However horrible it is. Yes, which it is. Um, what do you think about the character of uh, Mike? Uh, I both Mike, love and hate him. Yeah, Mike is both really... It, he seems really nice, but also he, he sees in a lot of ways he's really a cliche. And Adam Goldberg tends to play the same character in everything. Well, thankfully, he, I haven't seen him in much of anything. Else, yeah, so. I've seen, yeah, he's a big. He does a lot of stuff on TV. He shows up here and there in movies, and I, I can't help looking at him and going, "Okay, only Jew in the school, right?" <laughs> I really like the fact that he sees really clearly. He states this really obvious point about what's going on around him. The problem is then he doesn't shut up. And it's yeah. like, we, we were going to agree with you, but now we just find you annoying. Again, um, it makes him believable. He's not yeah. he's not like the, uh, the savant. He's not the no. sage. He is obviously very smart and very perceptive, but he's also screwed up and dumb like everyone else. I love when he's just like, things. yeah, well, he's like, oh, I'm going to become a lawyer so I can help, you know, poor people. But <laughs> then I met poor people and I found out I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's such an honest thing to say. I, yeah. How many lawyers do you, how many people went to law school, do you think, with that same goal and like, no, nah, I don't want to work for the ACLU. I want to make money or I, yeah. I don't, I don't like these people. I don't want to help them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, he is hilarious. I uh, but, I have a couple of big questions. Uh, one of the first of which is: uh, Are there any teachers at this school? <laughs> we literally I excuse think, me. See two we of we them. see three. We see three. three. Okay. Well, no, we see one at the junior high. Excuse me. Because we, we see we, we see, the, see the sli- we see sleepy Labeef there, the the shop <laughs> yep. teacher, and then we see the one. Uh, I guess it's the an hip, English teacher that says, "Oh, chick. Mr. Floyd, are we going to be graced with your presence yeah. today?" And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, it would get might as well." And it's like, <laughs> but it's like otherwise the stuff that's going on. Now, to be fair, and the coaches, uh, you didn't. Yeah, the coaches, you didn't go through public school at all. Did I didn't. You? No, I didn't. I went through public school up through junior high, and I got to tell you, if you weren't in a class, somebody would know. But this yeah. is this is still the seventies. It's it's a little mm-hmm. later, but somebody would know that you were not. You don't just wander around. And there was just <laughs> there, the wood shop. Yeah, the teachers were not just like sleeping. Uh, I have never seen. I I took wood shop for many years. I never saw the teacher sleeping. And the teacher, if one of us had tried to make a bong, we would yeah. have gotten shot. <laughs> I mean, wow. Next, this is I not to say the fact. Th- this is not to say this didn't happen. I'm, you know, no. I'm willing to bet that some of this did, but I, the number of adults in this film is kept to a very <laughs> small number, and some of them are just the teachers are either awful or useless. Yeah. I mean, the English teacher is okay, but obviously she's the 
you know, failed hippie freedom rider, like, oh, the Democratic National Convention was pretty much the most far-out time of my life. Oh, Lord. Okay, flower child. Is that and, freedom rock, man? Yeah, yeah. Turn it up, man. <laughs> there was a little bit of that, although at least she seems to know what she, and she does that classic, you know, remember when you're caught up in all this American propaganda that yeah. the revolution was about of uh, rich white slave owners who didn't want to pay taxes, Yeah, which honestly still kind of resonates, but... Yeah, unfortunately. And then yeah. That whole discussion with Slater, who's like, "Yo, man, Washington, he totally grew weed." Now it wasn't weed; it was hemp. No, it was and hemp. You don't and you get high off hemp, not the hemp no. that they were growing. Hey, no, little bit don't. of trivia: Declaration of Independence written on hemp, hemp paper. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> it's like <laughs> Slater grabbed onto the one fact that he will remember yeah, from history. That's gonna be it. That'll be it. <laughs> and Martha, man, she had a bowl waiting for him. Martha was. <laughs> They had. They didn't figure out you could smoke weed at least for a hundred years. Well, no, the Native Americans knew. Yeah, um, but they did. But those were in the West, and we didn't. Yeah. You know, they didn't exist until Lewis and Clark invented them. Uh, I will tell you right now, of all the characters in the film, I'm going to say for both of us, the ones that we knew the most of were probably the Slaters. Yeah, we knew. I knew a bunch of Slaters. <laughs> yeah, our school, our high school was, uh, it had a certain reputation. Um, and I will say this for anybody who knows where we went to high school, I won't say it, but anybody who knows who went to our high school, that the rep- reputation was both deserved and yet. And yet. If you amazing. didn't want it, you weren't, you were, nobody cared. I was no, literally nope. asked once in my entire high school run, hey, do you want to buy some loose joints? My answer, no thanks. Okay, that was yeah. it. That was my it, entire drug experience for it, high school. For most of high school, it was the same. It was like, hey, man, you, you, you want a hit of this? Like, um, no, no thanks. Oh, oh, cool, you can drive. Hey, Max can drive. Hey, okay, okay, you got to go down to the 7-Eleven, and we need red vines, and we oh, God. <laughs> Max's yeah. favorite activity, driving. Oh, oh yeah, God. And, it's, and driving someone else's car, which always terrified me. Yeah. I now was always sure I was going to destroy it. You were never in uh, a team sport, right? Technically, yeah. I mean, I was on, I was on the softball team. I guess that kind of counts. Did you have to do the good game, good, 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 good game? Yes. Good game? So did oh. we. I, believe it what or not, a hypoc- <laughs> what a hypocritical practice that is, because nobody means it. No, you can hear some of the kids go, yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, having played a team sport, I know those people who know me may not believe this, but I actually <laughs> was on a team in high school. Never uh-huh. got a freaking letter, even though it was JV. I should have had a freaking letter. Um, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still bitter about that. I can tell. Uh, we had to do the good game thing, and yeah, it was just like. It's because we never won. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I'm either. sorry. We won one game when our high school JV soccer team <laughs> played a junior high school soccer. Team. Oh, we won that game. That was our only game. I think uh, our softball team played a junior high school team and lost. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Sports oh, was not you, exactly. Did you, have to, did you have to do the two, four, six, eight? Who do we appreciate? No, 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 no. Oh, we had to do that. No, no, we just had to walk by and slap the hands. Good game, good game, good game. And it, even in that case, like nobody meant it. We won, but it's like, yeah, you're three years younger than we are. So, I mean, if we had lost, that would have been humiliating. But nobody, yeah. And even the guys who I, beat us, like I remember going into uh, schools like, and I love this name, Beaver Country Day. Oh, yeah. That was unfortunate. Um, and oh, what is school. it? One of the other ones, Pennington School. Yeah. It's like, there's not a chance. Like, we yeah. should not have even gone. 
Because no, these are these like, like jock these are schools. jock schools. Yeah, it was, yeah. It would have been like us playing, you know. Yeah, you, and yeah, they no. beat us, and they didn't mean it. Because it's like, yeah, it was five to zero. So <laughs> that's um, right. We do see we do see Mitch pitch at a uh, at a baseball game, which apparently the actor who played him <laughs> could not actually throw a baseball. They had no. uses and lied about it. Yes, he did. So they had to get and somebody else from behind when he's pitching. In. Which yeah, yep. big deal. You know, one of the things struck me too. They only play seven innings. At the scoreboard at the end, it says seventh inning. Well, that's why they call it. Well, that's how many innings there are, aren't or there? Nine. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but maybe I didn't know. I never played little league. Are there only? I mean, there only. Well, seven that's why it's league. called little league because it's smaller. <laughs> I okay, sure. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna also put this up with um, I don't care because yeah. it's baseball, and I I've been to one <laughs> baseball game in my life, and I don't care. Um, I've been to one Go baseball Sox. game. <laughs> Yeah, sure, Sorry. why not? I've been to one baseball game and one hockey game. That's that's it. All right. One of the things, uh, this this film, because of its large cast, actually reminded me a bit of another director who's very yeah. well known for their ensemble casts. Okay. There are a lot of those. Who are you thinking of? Uh, there's really one that sort of stand out for this, and that's Robert Altman. Robert Altman is known for having movies with humongous casts yeah but this um, was different because you could actually understand what the people were saying <laughs> well you're thinking of gosford park uh, i'm thinking that... of about half of robert altman's movies the same in mash hmm, it's never... really hard to, it's really hard to understand what a lot because he's very into recording it you know not fault not looping stuff recording it live and having people speak as naturally as they can which means, of course, you can't often understand them. I don't know. I've never had that, except for Gosford Park, and that's because everyone's accent is real. Um, it's a uh, whodunit. It's a mystery, but it's got, you know, 15 main characters in it. Yeah. And some of them have very thick Scottish, Irish, and British accents. My mother, who loved the film, always watched it with the subtitles because she couldn't understand them either. I get but, it. Um, I actually applaud that in a way. Because I've, unfortunately, having watched as many movies as, as we've watched, and, and just in general, anybody, uh -huh. if, if they're a cinephile, watch, you really can pick out the looped lines. This film has some in them. Yeah. And the performances just deaden. They just mm. they just lose whatever they have. We talked about this, uh, I think it was last week, where it's just like, up, oh, yeah, with Titanic, dead. yeah. Yeah, and it's just, <laughs> it just kills the performances. Not that, but if you have any kind of ear for this, you can tell that the ambiance is totally different for suddenly for no reason. And yeah. I know that in some cases they have, they have no choice because they didn't know that, oh, a plane flew by. Or, or it's a noisy setting. Yeah. And I get it, but man, if you can record on set during the performance, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Um, but Robert Altman, I haven't seen a lot of his films. I've seen a few of his films, and I like them because he tr usually tries to tie everybody together. I would say, though, that although this film may not have quite as big a cast as some of Altman's films, we pretty much know who everybody is all the time. And we know what they're doing and where they are. Of course, admittedly, most of the time they're driving around looking for the other characters. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it just sort of vaguely reminded me of Robert Altman. Um, and I decided to drop his mane to make me sound, you know, erudite. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look who's got a word-a-day calendar. Yeah. Erudite. Ooh. It's, it's just erudite. No more buttered scones <laughs> for me, mate, or I'm off to play the grand piano. <laughs> Knock it off, Graham. <laughs> uh, one of the things I want to point out, you said that this feels a lot like the 70s. I want to say one of the reasons, besides the music, which is easy. Anybody can go and pick out hits from the 70s. But the clothes... 
Oh God, the clothes and the hair. But here's the thing: a lot of times when and people the cars do, and the cars. But when people do '70s movies, they put on these '70s clothes, and it's capital yes. '70 capital clothes, and they they take them too far. Yeah. And here, everybody feels like not only are they comfortable with what they're wearing, but that. Everything just feels like they've worn it many times before. Yeah, everything looks like real people's clothes. It looks yeah. like clothing that was not just brought up from wardrobe. And they aren't the absurd level. No one's wearing a no. leisure suit. No one's no. bell-bottoms are six feet wide. No, in fact, half the time we even realize that Pink's wearing bell-bottoms, but yeah. he is. And it's the whole bit- really well done. And the whole bit when they put on like the 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 pattern button up shirt when they go out at night, yeah, I yep. did that. I remember mm-hmm. doing that in the seventies. Yeah, um, it, I gotta it was... say, Mitch's haircut is not doing him any favors. No, but a lot of people who wear hair like that didn't get favors either. I want to say the same yes. thing for Tony. His hair looks terrible. Mm. Um, and Mike, I don't know what that is, but um, it's kind of almost a mullet, but not I think, really. I think Prince wants it back. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, uh, the only one whose hair looks really good is Wooderson. I mean. That's Matthew McConaughey, and it's pretty much physically impossible to make his hair look bad. <laughs> I would say that, uh, especially Pink, um, and even Donnie Dawson, who's wearing overalls for most of the yeah, that was a thing, guys. They, oh, they just yeah. wore and they, 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 they whatever, but uh, their hair that split in the middle and feathered back that was starting to become a thing. <laughs> and uh, I, yep, I was so pissed because I couldn't do it, uh-huh. but also I'm glad I didn't because it's just it was awful. <laughs> Farrah hair, yep. So it's like this uh, film is the seventies without beating you over the head with it. That's the other, you talk about the soundtrack and yeah. this soundtrack. I I love this soundtrack because this is not just the seventies music. This is the good seventies yeah. music, and this was an era mm-hmm. that had some good music and an enormous amount of bad music. Very we, very bad music. I this movie is blissfully disco free. Yes. And it chooses. I mean, we got Fog Hat and War, and we, we've got the the good stuff from the seventies. There's no, you know, hooked on a feeling or rock me <laughs> gently or the yes. Pina Colada song. <laughs> and and the thing is, is I think that the reason that the music works so well is it's very reflective of the particular people we're watching that would listen to it. Um, do I think that? Uh, for example, Tony listens to this stuff. Mm, I bet there's some John Denver at home. Eh. Partially because he looks like John Denver. but uh, Yeah, a little bit. And same thing probably with Mike. They probably are not listening to they, the same kind of they're thing. Probab- they're probably like, like, oh no, we listen to this cool stuff like Pink Floyd or you know, this out- the, the more outlying stuff. Or maybe. maybe they don't listen to music much. They actually just listen to... Uh, they listen to Mike talking. <laughs> That's it. That's it. They record Mike talking and play it back. And apparently, what they that, that I kind of liked. It's like, what do these guys do that is sort of their nerd thing? Oh, they play poker. Yeah. Oh, which is, that's different. Yeah, well, that's because D and D wasn't big enough for them to have found yet. Because right, right, that was <laughs> it, it. Had only been out for what it was seventy four or seventy five. Seventy four, I think. Seventy three, seventy four. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years. Um, I would say that also having been through public school, uh, the feel of some of this is just so dead on. And, you know, we're talking way north, northeast, not nowhere near Texas. It doesn't matter. Some of the kids in that film, are, and again, I'm talking junior high, which is a little younger, but some of the kids in this film are the kids that I went to school with totally in the 70s. The hair, the, the clothes. I remember kids wearing overalls, um, but the music, yeah. same thing. I remember Kiss being huge. Uh, oh, a band, God, yeah. A, a band I still don't get. <laughs> 
because <laughs> it's like three things I know about Kiss. Um, it was a long time ago. <laughs> they weren't that good, and I can't remember the third thing. But it's like, it's like <laughs> that's I it. See, there are some Kiss songs that I that will still get my head bobbing. You know, rock and roll all night. That's still fun. And, and party every day. <laughs> yep, yep. I had a cousin who was crazy into Kiss, so I knew all of the names of this, all of the musicians, what they, who, what their sort of personas were. And of course, I had the Marvel Kiss comic book that was supposedly made with real <laughs> Kiss blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very little. And I did see uh, the movie Kiss and the Phantom of the, was the Phantom of the Amusement Park or Phantom of the Something <laughs> or other. Yeah. Which, I, by the way, if you want, if you really need a, a laugh, watch that. So, is it true that at the end it's really Mr. Jenkins in a mask? <laughs> it really is. Yep, it's old man Jenkins. <laughs> um, I mean, we can, we're we're gonna point fingers here for a sec. Uh, this is pretty white. There's one black character, um, and there's a scene in there. I'm like, why is this here? And it's a very brief scene. It's in the beginning of the film. And it shows three black characters playing dice. And it's oh, like, yeah. haven't we got past this? Really? Eh. And then to be fair, there's two white kids along with them, but we only see the faces of the black kids. And it's like, okay. I don't know that much about Texas. I'm willing to bet there's more than one black guy in high school. Uh, there are. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 have a bl- they have a significant black population. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't know about 1976, but yeah, probably. I, probably. I so I'm going to call it out. You know, I, I, we don't see any black women at all. I kind of don't buy that. So, I, I only think it's fair to point this out because I think it's necessary. Um, who was your favorite character? Just out of curiosity, if you had one. Um, I don't know if I really had one. I think Tony is the least offensive. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Everybody's everybody's a little bit offensive. I mean, you sure. know, uh, yeah. But I liked him. He seemed you know good natured and basically a decent sort. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> Even when he's describing his weird dream, where he's <laughs> getting along, getting it on with this perfect woman's body. Yeah. Only I look at the face and it's Abraham Lincoln. You know, with the hat and the beard. <laughs> <laughs> like and and uh, Mike does not know what to make of this. He's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe we should stop talking about. It. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good. Yeah, let's yeah. let's stop. <laughs> um I want to say I do really like Pink. And one of the reasons I like Pink, he's not a perfect character and he is a sleaze ball. Um, for one thing, he spends most of the film either oogling at or trying to get into the skirts of women that are not his girlfriend and it's even pointed out to him because at one point he's taken off to the side and uh, to be fair, the woman is instigating this and she gets him going and as he starts to reciprocate, she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Well, I thought and she's like, "Don't you have a girlfriend?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, she's over there." And she's like no and i'm like oh i don't understand the motivation there at all maybe it's just to Mm. prove that she could get him i don't know Mm. so pink is by far not a perfect character but he's the only character i think through the movie even more so than mike who is able to take a step back and really start to see the big picture he's also the one who is uh doesn't want to sign the pledge right right he he never does And yeah. you le- you're left off with, you know, they say, he says, if I play ball. His friends seem to say, well, I guess you gave up then. And my feeling is, if he's actually that good, which he seems to be, because the coaches yeah. won't leave him. Even that old guy, at the, when they're at the, the Little League game, this yep. old man comes up and he knows all the players. He knows who, who Randy is. and he's It's like, a oh. football town. Yep. Like you said, 
My feeling is in the end, they're probably going to let him play. Probably. But again, um, that's one of the interesting things about the movie. It's not like everything is tied up in a neat package. It's just, here, you've had you've had a look into this world, you've had a look yeah. into these people's lives, and now you're leaving. And it, you know their lives will continue once you're gone. And, and Linklater does something, or I should say he doesn't do something, that I'm really glad that he didn't do. And this is very common with films of this type. There is nothing in the credits, and and Randall uh, Pink Floyd went on to become blah, blah, blah. So yeah. glad. So glad. Because it would have been very easy, and it was actually very much of the times. This happens a lot. Yep. The and, only one who ever did that really well was Animal House. Yeah, pretty much. And that was <laughs> Senator and Mrs. Judge. Blutarski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my feeling is, is that Pink, of all of them, has the potential of being eventually somehow enlightened and i don't even necessarily mean that in the spiritual way he may be the only character who actually because he says at one point i don't want to get older and look back and think of these as the best years of my life and one of his friends donnie says i do basically Uh, right and he's fine with that and he probably is and a lot of people who played like football in high school that may be like that's their goal i don't know i don't actually don't know anybody none of my friends have played football in high school but, <laughs> but you get, we didn't have a football team. Oh, and yeah, I'm glad we did not. But you, <laughs> but a lot of people like when they're in high school. It's I'm guessing by the movies because again, our high school experience was totally different. That when they're in high school, they are thinking of this as the most important time in their lives. They're very centered on the now. And Pink is looking forward. And he's like, I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to do this. Yeah, he's one of the most self-aware characters. Yeah, and uh, Mitch. Mitch, to me, seems to be the character that's most likely going to change in ways we don't yet understand. Yeah, he's interesting because he's like a proto-creature. He's just beginning to realize who he is. He's still trying to figure it out. That's what makes him interesting. That's my only kind of disappointment is I wish I'd seen more of that. You know, I wish I'd seen uh, how he progressed, a little more of what he became or who he was going to become. My feeling is that one of the reasons we don't see too much more of Mitch is that, quite honestly, he's not a good actor. Yeah, um, the, that that actor did not go on to do much. No, he went on to be a, a software designer. But the, yeah. one of the things is that I felt felt like a lot of times his like uncomfortableness on screen was not Mitch's uncomfortableness on screen. Like he, what? one of the th- things they point out is that one there's one interchange where he touches his nose a whole bunch of times, and it looks to me more like he can't remember his lines. because uh, you um, see, I like that because he is a very believable. T- uncomfortable teenager who is in a, a his world is shifting he's going from junior high to high school his yeah. body is changing he, the whole world around him is changing and he's try, struggling to deal with that and that's very relatable it is but i didn't think that any of his other friends felt as uncomfortable as he did like yeah. with their part like i felt they acted fine yeah. i wouldn't look for them in any other movies i don't i don't i didn't look them up but he just sort of felt to me like of the of the cast the least experienced um but, uh, yeah, so uh, I, I'm done with my, my notes. Uh, do you have anything uh, else you want to get to before we decide if it holds up? Yeah, what, what about, did anything about this feel particularly 90s to you? 
That's a good question. Um, I can only come up with one thing myself, and that was the nostalgia for the 70s. Yeah. That, that was a big thing in the 90s. Of course it was, because every 20 years we look back yeah. 20 years and go, that was so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were some cool things about the 70s. One of the things that, that I do miss about the 70s is we actually had DJs back then. And by DJs, I mean people who would cultivate music for you to listen to. Like, hey, we tune into this guy because or this woman or whomever because they have good taste. I want to hear what they're trying to put forth. And it wasn't just dictated by the record companies. By the time we hit yeah. the 80s, that's all gone. Yeah. Um, I, I miss that. Um, I miss people used to take more chances in the movies. People were more experimental. Yeah. They didn't... It, I mean, I, again, we can... It's a sad thing, but we can thank Spielberg for for Jaws in the 70s that basically changed the way summer movies and a lot of ways movies were made. Yeah, which is interesting about this sort of 90s renaissance, because I hadn't actually thought about it, and then when we started researching for this series, I started looking at a bunch of the films that were showing up on people's best-of lists, and it's like, oh, that's an early Coen Brothers. Oh, that's an early Richard mm-hmm. Linklater. Oh, that's a Spike Lee. Oh, that's a... You know, it's like there were a lot of independent films that were actually pretty high-profile. And, of yeah. course, you know, Hollywood doesn't learn that lesson because they never learn the right lesson, but it's like, if you let these people do stuff... You may find that you're going to get hit. Not every time, but that's why you have your gigantic, you know, huge blockbuster films that we're all required to see by law. Um, yep. They'll make the money up that this film didn't. And of course, Dazed and Confused was not a film that was going to make money on its first run, but has since become a real favorite. You know, yep, made a lot of money on video. Yeah, I, I see your definitely see your point about that. So the nostalgia part. Otherwise, no, I was in the '70s from the movie the moment the movie started, and I never yeah. felt like I was kicked out of it, not once. Yeah, that's they even have eight tracks. <laughs> Which, yep. Let me tell you, the uh, worst, the worst way to uh, listen to music God. is an eight track. Yes, I had one in my 1978 uh, Dodge. Uh, what the hell? What was Dougie? Dougie was a Dodge was Aspen. Dodge Aspen, Aspen coupe. Okay. My 1978 Dodge Aspen coupe had an eight track player in it, and wow. there's nothing worse than listening to that horrible sound quality. And suddenly the song just sort of fades out. There's a loud ka-chunk, and then the song fades <laughs> back in again because that's when it's switching tracks. Uh. So right. Now, yep. The roundup, Max. Yo, I'm going to ask you. You saw this early on, maybe not in first run, but early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ha- hey, have you seen it since before watching it uh, for this? Yeah, I, I yeah I have. I think I saw it uh, maybe ten years ago. How do you think it holds up? I think it holds up all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Bumpy, kick him. <laughs> I think it holds up very well. I think I really enjoy it, especially once you know it's very relaxing. Once you know it there is. isn't really a lot of drama, you can sit back and let it sort of wash over you and enjoy the characterizations and the setting and the way that the, the interactions and just like you're, it's like watching people. It's like sitting someplace and people watching. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a, I think it's a lot. Of, I think it's fun, and I think it's really well done, and it captures the era and the the time and the place. It captures beautifully. I think that, I've, and although I've never watched a movie high, I could see doing so for this film. I just have this feeling that after the credits stopped, I'd still be staring at the screen. <laughs> well, naturally, I have no idea what that's like. So, <clears throat> ah, well, good for you. Yes. Um, yeah, I, again, my first viewing of this film, I was really tense 
because I kept waiting literally for something to happen. Yeah. And I was expecting the big the car crash or whatever, and it doesn't. Yeah. And I the first time I saw it, I was disappointed. It's like, what was that about? And I've watched it a number. I have the Criterion collection disc of this and i've watched it a few times since then and it's you're absolutely right this is more true to life than pretty much any film of its era because nothing happens like most of our lives <laughs> little <laughs> bits least, of, yeah. little bits of drama here and there punctuated by driving around trying to find something to do <laughs> um and you know now we just sit at home and click on things to do <laughs> yep <laughs> um i totally felt these characters they felt very much like people i knew in the 70s um, felt like some of the people I knew in the 80s as well. <laughs> uh, um, I like the fact that you can extrapolate from some of these people where they might end up without them telling us. Um, apparently Linklater has a thing where a lot of his films take place in a single day. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. Uh. Um, one of his... One of the films I like of his, which was exceedingly experimental in one way, uh, that I really liked was a film called The Boy's Life, where he's oh, like, God. okay... That I'm gonna... doesn't take place in one day. No. In fact, he's like, look, I'm going to hire you people, but I'm going to hire you for like 15 tw- years, okay? Yeah. So you need to be available like every three or four years so I can literally film this kid growing up. I, that is a movie that should not have worked and really did. And it, too, it suffers the same fate. It's like you're waiting for something to happen. And that's what a lot of life is about. And I won't say it's his best film, but I really liked it. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. I even like some of his films that are a little bit more Hollywood. I I went and saw uh, Where'd You You Go, Bernadette, which one of the hardest part Mm. about that, it's like, oh, it's all about the problems of a rich white lady. And I'm going to care now. But I I like the way the characters work. And I like the performance. And I like the character of Bernadette. Um, I haven't watched all of his films. Some films I don't like. I do not like um, Waking Life. It is this very odd experiment. It's a film. You would hate it. Because it's Uh a film where they literally draw over the frames. So it's oh, animation. I think I saw the I saw the poster for that. It's it's just a horrible oh, idea <laughs> because you just sit there, and you get sick. Um, but I like Link Ladder, and this is I think I haven't seen again. I'm, I didn't see um, Slacker, which is the film before this, and I, I actually yeah, didn't even heard that. it. Yeah, now I kind of want it because that film apparently did really well, um, and that one I think is actually more of real life. I don't know if there's, there's actors in that as much as I, I have to go back and watch it, but. He captures this moment perfectly, and the fact that nothing happens, especially right before summer, because a lot of those kids are going to have nothing to do. And I think that that's a great snapshot of this. Um, So we are spoiling it in that, hey, nothing happens. (laughs) I think that actually helps, because going to the film, you're not going to be waiting for that Hollywood thing. Um, And And we we very carefully left out any message of the aliens. Well, we had until now. Oh crap! I'm so, okay. You can edit this, right? <laughs> so, uh, so Bumpy, what are we watching next week? Uh, I believe we're watching his hoof in your butt. <laughs> ah, now next week, yes, we're going for another little indie film. <clears throat> oh, good. Actually, actually, we are going for one of the the only two, and I maintain this, and we'll talk about this next week. The only two decent. Saturday Night Live movies. That many, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I maintain there are only two that were any good. The, the other one is It's Pat? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's la- The Ladies Man. No, the, the other one is Blues Brothers. Uh. With this one is Wayne's World, Wayne's World, Party Time, Excellent. 
Yep, the Wayne's World movie. Wayne's World, huh? Yep. 90s. That's very, very 90s. Yeah. How 90s is it? A question we'll answer next week along with other questions such as... Yeah, such as, has anyone seen Bumpy lately? Bumpy, no! This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.